0: Welcome to the ministry of Vestavia Primitive Baptist Church. You're invited to come and worship with us every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Once again, welcome to Vestavia, and I ask that you do pray for me. Uh, You go ahead and if you have your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter Um, 3. I ask for prayers. Um, You know, I've said this before, but I used to hear preachers get up in, in the stand or in the pulpit, and they would... They would ask that you'd pray and it and it kinda just seems like something that preachers need to do. But the more I try to bring messages to God's people, the more I understand that, that was a, that was a legitimate request on behalf of those men. And and it is for me as well. Yesterday, uh Bo had a, a karate tournament and um and he was uh he was nervous, you know, to go out in front of uh all the people there and um He got over those nerves and I was proud of him and as we were driving home I told him uh, I was just more proud of his courage to get up there than I was of the moves and those things and he said, I just didn't feel good and um, I said, that's called nerves. I said, Daddy gets them every Sunday. (laughs) I said, Bo, do you ever notice sometimes we sing more songs than others? Sometimes I just let y'all go a little bit longer when the nerves are going, so I think anytime you stand before God's people and you're not nervous, that's probably not a good sign, but I do pray that God would help me this morning. As I mentioned several weeks ago, I've never preached a message um, to any one individual person. Most of the time, or the majority of the time, or probably all the time that I've brought a message of something we need, it is because Josh Coker needed it, not because anybody else needed it, and it's the same with this message today. Starting in verse 14, uh, there are seven letters to the churches of Asia that, that are given in, the first, uh, or in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. And this one I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, starting in verse 14, it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness does not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father, in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I believe this is certainly a relevant letter uh, to the churches of America today. Um, Certainly, uh, we live in what many have called a Laodicean age in our culture. And as we look at this today, I think there's many things we can learn as the, the people of God in this context in which we live. But it begins in verse 14 by saying, Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. That is the, that is the truth, the Amen, let it be so. Jesus Christ is writing this letter and he's saying, this is, this is coming from Christ. I am the truth. I am the faithful and true witness. You know, there are many people who will rise and fall and they'll have many stories and they'll have many Um, they'll 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 lead movements and we've seen that they'll lead many people astray many of God's children have been led astray uh, by charismatic people who told great stories and had wonderful plans for their lives Uh, but this is the actual faithful and true messenger this is Jesus Christ the witness who is writing says the beginning of the creation of God and not that not that Jesus Christ was the beginning of the creation of God but Jesus Christ uh, was there at the creation of this world everything that was created uh, was was created by Jesus Christ do we understand that today that isn't that cool to think about that the savior that we love today was the same one who was in the beginning when 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 the bible begins it says in God created the heaven and the earth that's talking about Jesus Christ y'all realize that he would go on to say I believe it's in verse 26 let us make man in our own image who's us It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They were there together creating the world. You know, many people forget that Jesus Christ was alive and active throughout the Old Testament Scriptures. I've heard it said before that Jesus Christ uh, had nothing to say about, uh, you know, alternative lifestyles or, 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 or some of the things that we hear about today. And I want to remind people that Jesus Christ was there when Sodom and Gomorrah was being destroyed for their alternative lifestyles. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ... Is the, is the king of the Old Testament. He would say, search the scriptures for them that you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. And so as we read the scriptures, whether it be the Old or the New Testament, the scriptures testify of Jesus Christ. And he's saying to this church at Laodicea, who has become lukewarm in their faith, he's saying, here comes a message from the creator of the world. Now, that's something I want to hear, right? I was at, I, I had to travel for work this week and um, you know, we were talking politics at dinner one night, me and my coworker, and um, I said, "You know, as far as I'm concerned, your opinion is just as good as the people they pay millions of dollars to tell us about their opinions. So I'd rather hear what you have to say than what they have to say." You know, a lot of times men just what they have to say is not even worth listening to, whether it be about religion or politics or whatever it may be, but here's a message. Uh, from the beginning of the creation of God, from the amen, from the faithful and true witness. And, and he says to this church, and it's the same that he says to the folks at Vestavia today I know your works. And he doesn't say exactly what those are, but just think about that, guys. God knows our works, He knows what we do, right? He created us for good works. That's the reason that we are born again, is to do good things. And he says, I know your works. I know that you're neither hot or you're neither cold nor hot. Um, Now, it's my understanding, Colossians, the book of Colossians, you know, they mentioned the church at Laodicea in that book or letter that was written to Laodicea, and they had access to cold water, uh, and that was, they were about 10 miles southeast of Laodicea. Uh, There was another city about six miles to the north that had hot springs of water that were very soothing to get in. You know, you ever, we were, Carrie and I were supposed to go to Colorado this year before covid came in has COVID just messed up everything for y'all um, and they had some hot springs I'm not saying I was going to get in them but I thought about it <laughs> um, but Laodicea didn't have access to this cold water they didn't have access to this hot water so basically they'd pipe it in to Laodicea and by the time it got there it wasn't cold it wasn't hot it was just lukewarm so it wasn't good to refresh you know cold water is refreshing on a hot day isn't it cold water is refreshing right now to me <laughs> Hot water can be refreshing. Sometimes you just want to take a hot bath. Not me personally, but I hear people say that. <laughs> hot shower is good every once in a while. You think if you've got a headache, I like a hot shower. But lukewarm, I mean, who wants to take a lukewarm bath? Or um, who wants a hot drink of water on a hot day? And so they weren't cold to refresh. They weren't hot to soothe. And, and Christ says to them, he says, I would or I wish, I desire, Thou wert cold or hot. I wish you were, you wish were use, useful in the service of God, I believe is what he's saying to this church. That's very important, I think, to notice here. They're not dead. Y'all understand that? <laughs> they're, they're not dead. They're lukewarm. That's a, big, that's a big point that I think we'll get later on in this verse. You know, in the, the book of Ephesians, he writes to those who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's not the case with the Laodiceans. They're alive, but they're lukewarm. They're good. They're good for nothing. They're apathetic. Here's a. I wrote this down in my Bible, several years ago. Lukewarm, not ardent, not zealous. They're cool. They're indifferent, or they are. They are apathetic. Um. They really just don't care. There's some things to be apathetic about, but the the cause of Christ is not one of them. It says they have. They have no. They have no passion. for for christ or for his church they're really just going through the motions now you don't have to raise your hand but in your life of discipleship how many of y'all have just been going through the motion at times i know i have one other brother has the rest of y'all got it going (laughs) y'all got it going on but me and that brother have been going through the motions from time to time (laughs) and you know discipleship or christianity is not something that you just go through the motions about it's something that takes a lot of commitment takes a lot of effort takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of zeal to be a committed christian um christianity is something you have to make up your mind you're going to do and then do it now that's simple to say hard to do but it's really it's really simple you know in the book of um The book of Haggai, he he asked this question, and I'm just going to quote at it. You can can go read it later. But he says, how long will you dwell in your sealed houses? And the house of God lies waste. He asked these children of Israel who have been granted access to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And they've been there something like 16 years, and they haven't done it. But yet their homes have sealed houses. I was interested. I was studying that recently. And um, that word, sealed... Uh, means is it Wayne's (laughs) coating? I thought they had been watching uh, Fixer Upper or Hometown (laughs) Uh, years ago seems like every house they go into on those shows they put in some beadboard or some Wayne's coating, and I thought that's interesting that Strong's Concordance uses that word but God asked them how long are you going to take care of your houses when the house of God lies waste and his answer wasn't a 12-step plan on this is how you can get better the answer to God's people, God says, go up in the mountain and cut down the wood and bring it back into town and start building the temple. Basically, the answer to God's people when they were lukewarm uh, in, the, in the book of Haggai, the answer that God gives them is what Nike's been saying, I guess, just do it. Right? You're, you, it's not something to think about. We can come up with excuses, right? Um, I, I, how many of you, you know, I have decided... Like if you're going to exercise or study the Bible, those are two things you better do in the mornings. (laughs) Because if you don't do it in the morning, you're going to find some excuse not to do it throughout the day. Or at least I will. (laughs) Um, But the answer is just do it. That's what God said to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Just do it. Start doing it. And God says to the people in Haggai, I will be glorified in this if you just start doing it. Put in the effort to do it. Christianity takes commitment. Um, you know I think it was the old theologian Yoda who said to his disciple Luke Skywalker he said do or do not there is no try <laughs> um, that, that's, that's some of y'all didn't get that <laughs> he was basically telling Luke you need to be committed to this <laughs> um, you need to give it your all Listen to what Joshua said. This is Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. He tells the children of Israel, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which were of your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, they're inheriting the promised land. And he says, you just need to make a choice today who you're going to serve. Uh, this is how Elijah said it, First Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 21. It says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together into Mount Carmel. So the children of Israel have gathered together before Elijah. And Elijah comes to all the people and he says, How long halt ye between two opinions? That, 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 we wouldn't use that today. We, I, I've never told anybody, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? But that means to hesitate, to stand in doubt. How long are you going to try to figure out what you're going to do? And he says, if, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. He was saying to the children of Israel, you need to choose today who you're going to follow. Don't just stand in the middle. I remember when the children of Israel were going up uh, against Goliath and none of them would fight. And David comes in and what does he say? He says, is there not a cause? He, he had made up his mind he was going to follow God. This is how Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon would, would signify wealth, riches, substance, fame, I believe, um, all, all the things that the world cherishes. I, I was uh, part of a project one time at work where they decided I was going to report to two managers. <laughs> and... Um, one of my managers was a great Christian lady, and she said, how's it going? And I said, well, if the Bible teaches us anything, is that we can serve two masters. Because <laughs> um, it wasn't going that well. <laughs> but, you know, you can't make your life about making money. You can't make your life about collecting stuff. You can't make your life about being popular or having fame and still serve Jesus Christ. You can make money. You can accumulate stuff. And you can be popular and still serve Jesus Christ, but you can't make your life about that and still serve Jesus Christ. Brother Michael Goins uh, wrote in one of his books, he said, The question, when is the last time someone accused me of fanaticism may very well be a good test of a professing Christian's spiritual temperature? (laughs) You know, I've said it like this. If you fit in at the ball field or at the... um, or at the, the the workplace um... at the school or probably at the nursing home if you're the coolest one there you're probably doing something wrong <laughs> um... let's let's go to second Corinthians for just a second i want to read what what the apostle paul said you know if you've tried to follow jesus christ very long uh, you will learn uh, that some people aren't going to like it. Some people are, are going to forsake you. You know, I know when I started trying to follow Jesus, there are some friends that I just didn't have anymore. Sometimes you're going to have to cut some people out of your life if you want to follow Jesus Christ. Sometimes people are just going to cut you out of their life if you want to follow Jesus Christ. Um, but to the world, true followers of Jesus, um, are they're not normal. I read a book years ago by a pastor in, in, in Oklahoma. And the title of the book was Weird. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that. It was, it was a life-changing book to me, I'll be honest with y'all. Um, and and the, the premise of the book is if you're gonna follow Jesus Christ in this in this life, you're gonna be weird. <laughs> you're gonna be different. You're not gonna be like the rest of, of your friends, the rest, maybe some of your family. You're not gonna be like the world. And so in second 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your case. He's saying to them, whether whether we be beside ourselves, he says, whether we appear to be insane. (laughs) He says, it is to God. It's to the glory of God. So whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. And listen to what he says. The reason that he would... And the Apostle Paul gave up everything to follow Jesus Christ. And the reason he would do this, he says, For the love of God constrains us. That that word constraineth means to impel, to motivate, to spring forward, to urge. What is it that was urging the Apostle Paul? And I believe the same thing that should motivate us today. I'm telling you, when I am more zealous for Jesus Christ in my life, it's when I can realize the love that he has for me. How many of y'all know that Jesus loves you? That's simple, isn't it? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> That's simple, but it's powerful. You know what, we don't understand, I don't believe we understand love really in our society because we're, I mean, it's almost like high school kid love, right? You're in love one day, you're out of love the next day. That's not love. He told Jeremiah, lo, I have loved you with an everlasting Love. Do you understand that? I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isaiah asked if a a mother uh, could, I'm I'm quoting this one too, could could lack compassion for her sucking child. Compassion would be love and sorrow. And he says, yes, that is true. But God says, "I I will never leave you because He loves you. The Apostle Paul asked this in the book of Romans. He says, what can separate us from the love of God? And here's your homework for this week. Go read it and find if there's anything in there that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. And so he says, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I may appear to the world that is watching to be crazy. You remember on the day of Pentecost, they said, these men are full of new wine. Basically, the the people that were, were looking on the Christians, they were looking on Peter and those, they were saying, these guys are drunk. No, they were just filled with the Spirit of God. They, they, were, they were constrained, impelled. They were motivated by the love of God. And he says, for the love of Christ is motivating me. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And if that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth. That is from this time forward. They that live, that would be me and you. For they that live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I believe the Apostle Paul here is saying, if you can ever see the love that Christ had for you, and then you can pair that with the knowledge that He died for you and rose again for you, He was successful in His mission to save you, then from that point forward, you should live your life for Him. Do y'all see that? And let me tell you, if you decide... Whether you're young, old, whatever today. If you decide, I'm actually going to live my life for him. And I'm preaching to me right now. I'm actually going to wake up. And I'm not going to check. The first thing I'm going to do is check the score of the ball game. I'm going to check Proverbs for the day. Or I'm going to check. I'm going to pray today. If you decide, you know what? We're not going to let. We're not going to do this as a family. I'm not going to do this as an individual. Because I'm going to live for God. Guess what? people are going to say, that boy's gone insane. <laughs> Festus told Paul in the book of uh, Acts, he said, much learning hath made thee mad. <laughs> he says, something has happened to you where you, you've gone crazy, Paul. Listen to what Jesus, this is in Mark chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. It says, and the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends, this is talking of Jesus Christ, when his friends heard of it, that's his family, the people he grew up around, the people that knew him. It said when they, when, they, when they heard of this, they went out to lay hold on him. They went out to get Jesus. Basically, I believe that he was embarrassing them by stepping out publicly into his ministry. For they said, he is beside himself. The multitudes had come to Christ and he was stepping out in his public ministry. He had stepped away from the life that he had led for 30 years, an unassuming, quiet life, the son of a carpenter. And now he has stepped out into the spotlight. He's called his disciples. He's begun to teach. He's begun to preach. And, 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 And they say, he's beside himself. He's gone insane. And so, if you and I follow Jesus Christ, should we expect any other reaction than what Christ himself received from the people that knew him best? no he's, he, they said he's beside himself and so maybe that is a good question to ask when's the last time somebody said you are crazy <laughs> for following this man jesus christ and if you're committed you are going to run into people that believe you are crazy they may not persecute you praise god we don't face that in america but they may give you a funny look <laughs> They may not invite you to the cool parties, but let me tell you, friends, it is worth every bit of it to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? Y'all agree with that? Let's see how spiritual apathy, uh, how Christ feels about that. You know, the, 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 the preacher may feel one way about spiritual apathy. <laughs> I've, heard pre- I've, heard, I've heard pastors say this before. Uh, that, the, that the the member that gives them the most trouble is not the one that just quits coming. <laughs> it's certainly not the one that's there all the time. It's the one that comes every six or so weeks and acts like they're enthused and they don't come back again. You get your hopes up, then they leave. <laughs> and look, it may not be their fault. Maybe they're apathetic. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're apathetic. There's an answer to that, and we're going to see that. But let's see how does spiritual apathy, and we've all been there. How does spiritual apathy, how does Christ feel about that? He says, though then because thou art lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot. Verse 16, you're neither cold nor hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now that's that's about as clear as he could make it, I believe. He says, basically, your spiritual apathy makes me want to throw up. Y'all understand that? How many, of y'all, how many of y'all want to act in such a way that your Savior looks upon your spiritual condition and says, that just makes me want to throw up? Let's look at the cause of their spiritual apathy. He says in verse 17, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and you know not that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, And you are naked. He's letting them know that the cause of your spiritual apathy is you've really become self-sufficient. You believe that you're in need of nothing. And when I said at the beginning of this message that this was applicable to American Christians today, this is why. How many of us, how many of us worry about where our next meal will come from most of us you know what me and Carrie spend a lot of our time talking about what are we going to eat tonight (laughs) we got so many options we don't know what brother Norman Deason said he told me one time it stresses him out to go to the store and look at all the different cereals because he just don't know which one he wants (laughs) I have a buddy, one of my best friends, is he, he, he moved here when he was uh, 17 years old. I've mentioned him here from Accra, Ghana. And he said, when I got here, uh, I didn't even have a suit. He said, now I look and I've got 25 suits and I think I have nothing to wear. <laughs> He's been here 20 years. Um, we are increased with goods. We, we feel that we have need of nothing. You know, I saw, I've seen a meme going around the Internet that's like, um, it's posting the price of gas and I think it's like the mortgage rate today and people are saying we're going to check it in four years and see what it is in four years. And, you know, there's political reasons they're doing that. But my first thought when I saw that is, is what I've heard. You know, the majority of the human race, human history has never worried about the people today have never worried about the price of gas or the rate of a mortgage because most of them don't even have a car. That's human history. Now, here we do. But throughout the world, there's vast poverty. Brother Obey, we all know Brother Obey. He said that America is being persecuted by prosperity. That is true, is it not? We are we are persecuted because we are so blessed and so prosperous. And I say we're blessed. Maybe it it can't look. How many of y'all like electricity, and having things to eat, and air conditioning, and padded pews, and a car to drive? I do. And I, I, I hope I can keep them. But we don't want to turn the blessings. We're, we're the most financially blessed country in the history of the world. But we don't want to take the blessings of God and turn them into a curse, do we? And so the church at Laodicea was saying, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, and I have need of Nothing. And, and Christ says to them, you don't know that you're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. See, Laodicea was a rich city who, who made money through the textile industry. And, and you, can, you can go research this tonight. They had, they had created uh, eye medication that was cutting edge in their time. And Christ says to them, you don't realize that you're actually poor and that you're actually blind in a city that makes their money through the textile industry he says you're actually naked and i fear that that is our condition today in america we don't under, sometimes we just don't understand how miserable we actually are in our human condition and i'm not i'm not here to, to discourage you but i want you to know i think one of the keys to to following God is realizing how wicked we are in ourselves and how loved we are in Christ. If we can ever balance that out, we will begin to follow God with more of a zeal. And listen to what he says. He says, I counsel thee, I counsel you, church. Buy of me gold tried in the fire. Speaking of Christ, speaking of himself, that thou mayest be rich. Maybe you're increased with goods. Maybe you have a big bank account. He says, buy of me gold tried in the fire pure things righteousness follow after me he says and buy of me white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear i believe he's saying run to me for your completeness you remember when adam and eve had sinned and what's the first thing they did they tried to sew fig leaves together to hide their nakedness and i'm telling you we do that all the time don't we we try to sew fig leaves together to hide our nakedness. We say, "If I'll just read my Bible more, if I'll just pray more, if I can just go to church more, if I can just do this more, God will really love me." And child of God, the message of the gospel is He already loves you. What did He do for Adam and Eve? He took an animal and He slayed that animal, and there was the shedding of blood, indicating that there would be one who comes, whose blood would be shed to cover your shame. Jesus Christ, and He's saying, "You need to." I believe what He's saying to Laodicea is quit trying to be self sufficient. Run to the cross, run to the Christ, run to the Savior to cover your shame. He says, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. I'm telling you, the best, the best, the, the best eye salve for your spiritual condition is the Word of God. And, and, and I, I, I don't think it's much of a stretch to think uh, that the church at Laodicea was probably so caught up in so many things that they had access to that they had neglected the Word of God. Do Y'all think that's much of a stretch? How many of us have access to so many different things that pull at our attention that we neglect the Word of God? And the best way to see spiritually your condition is in the Word of God. And in verse 19 he says, as many as I love I rebuke and I chasten. So you may be thinking man God's kind of being mean to these guys. How many of us like for our faults to be called out? <laughs> you know, I've said this being a being a parent is like putting a magnifying glass on all your faults. I was um I was I was, <laughs> was disciplining one of my children recently and they made a very valid point, a very interesting point. They said Dad, it's not fair that I get a spanking for this and you do the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know what? That's true, but Daddy does get a spanking from time to time. But I said, It's not you or, or mom or it's God giving me the spanking. And, you know, when I spank my children, I don't, I shouldn't, and you shouldn't, you don't discipline your children just to, to, to dole out some justice or to get some satisfaction because they've made you mad. You give discipline in the hopes that it will correct them, right? So, like, you just don't spank a child and then leave the room. I don't think that's good. Like, you spank them, and then you correct them. You say, this is why this is happening, or whatever your punishment may be, this is why you're getting this punishment. This is what you should have done. And you try to correct them. That's, that's the job of a parent is to raise up a child in the way they should go. And it's, it's hard work. And that's what, that's what Christ is doing to this church. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke. I convict them by bringing to light their faults. And sometimes it takes other people. Sometimes it takes God. How many times have you heard a a minister of God preaching from the Word of God, and you thought, he's been reading my emails. (laughs) He's been reading, he's been, he knows, he's been spying on me. (laughs) I can guarantee you that there may be some weird preacher that's done it in the past. I don't know. I don't have time to spy on any of (laughs) y'all. And Some of y'all, not y'all maybe, some people make it easy with social media. I can just say, I just... I just unfollow those people. I don't want to see how messed up you are. (laughs) That's the spirit of God. Because sometimes it's easy for darkness to cover up our own faults to ourselves. Let me step on somebody's shoe in the middle of the night at my house. And there's going to be some correcting going on. Let me kick my shoe and I think, oh, let me move my shoe. (laughs) Y'all ever seen, y'all know what I'm talking about. We're a lot more gracious to ourselves and merciful to ourselves than we are to others. And sometimes the the product of that is we are blind to our own faults. And so he says to them, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. That word literally means to spank. (laughs) It means to mold the character of others by reproof and admonition. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12 says, For for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son, in whom he delights. So so he's saying to them, and that's the good news if you've ever felt the chastening hand of the Lord. Like rejoice in that because that means he loves you, right? That means he cares for you. And he says to them, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Repent. What did, he say to, what did he say to Haggai? He said, he said to the people through the prophet Haggai, he said, go up the mountain and cut down the woods and bring it back and start building the temple and I'll be glorified in it. To the lukewarm Christians at Laodicea, he says, be zealous. I wrote that down many years ago too. Warmly engaged, ardent in, in, in the pursuit of an object to earnestly desire or to strive after something. He says you're you're no longer striving after me you're probably striving after your bank account or 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 the popularity or whatever it may be in this society he says don't strive after that be zealous for me like the apostle paul would say he was striving to apprehend the one who had apprehended him like his whole life was a pursuit of apprehending jesus christ he wanted to know more about him and be closer to him he had a zeal did he not and that's what Christ is saying to this church. I want you to be zealous, therefore, and repent. To, to change your mind for the better. That's where repentance starts is in your mind. So it's not a hard thing to do, but it's not a hard process to fix this lukewarmness. And then listen to what he says. This is, he says, behold. And now anytime we hear that word in Scripture, you need to stop and really think about what's about to be said. He says, behold. Pay attention. He says to the church at Laodicea and through extension to us today, Behold, pay attention. You've been lukewarm. I'm telling you, you need to be zealous. I've rebuked you. I've chastened you. I've told you to repent. But behold, stop. Listen to this. And if you've zoned out, listen to this. He says, Behold, I stand. Christ says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now listen. It would have been been justified, really, for Christ to say, Behold, I left heaven. I spent 33 and a half years in poverty. I healed the blind. Uh, You know, I gave gave sight to the blind. I I healed the sick. I raised the dead. I cleansed the lepers. Uh, Peter would say he went about doing good. All I did was good. And then how did you repay me? You crucified me on a cross. I went willingly to the cross and I paid for your sins so that you could live in heaven for me. I gave you my word. I gave you ministers. I gave you my church. And, and you're going to be apathetic about all that? Behold, I'm done with you. Y'all figure it out. He would have been justified in saying that, right? Do y'all agree with that today? But that's the thing about our Lord is he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And he says, behold, child of God and he's speaking out individually maybe you're saying I'm in a lukewarm church maybe you are guess what you're not going to change that overnight but the best way you can change a lukewarm church is not to be a lukewarm member of a lukewarm church do you understand that I've had people before and look by the way I love the old baptist church sometimes I don't say that enough I love it I love it we got faults guess what every church has a fault right every church has faults I love it. I've heard, I've, but I've had numerous people throughout my time in the church say, I'm leaving the church. I've known people who have left the church. And I say, why are you leaving the church? And they say, they're just not evangelistic enough. Finally, the last one told me that. I said, well, you know what? The least evangelistic thing you can do for the truth is to leave the church. <laughs> How many of y'all love the church? I love it. I, and I get, I heard Brother Glenn Branchard the other day, and he was preaching on the history of the church. It was on Grace Salon Radio. And I appreciated this. He said, um, he, say, he said, I get so sick of people saying this, I just want to choke them. <laughs> and you don't, you don't actually hear preachers all the time say, I just want to choke somebody. But I want to say that sometimes. <laughs> and it felt good to me to hear somebody say, I hear another preacher say they just want to choke somebody. Look, if you want to complain about the church, find the right person at the right time. Maybe go to the pastor. I'm sure the pastor wants to hear you complain about the church. But yeah, go to Brother Sam. Come to me. Don't complain in front of your children. Don't complain in front of your coworkers. Don't complain in front of your family or your friends. What good is that going to do? Nothing. And if you don't love the church, I've quoted the theologian Yoda. Here's the theologian Merle Haggard. If you don't love it, leave it. <laughs> okay? But I love it. And guess what? There's things about it that I wish were better. I wish I was more zealous. I wish you were more zealous. I wish we were more evangelistic. I wish, I wish the church was overflowing. You know, the best thing I can do is try to be a good church member to make that happen. Amen. Y'all understand that today? Christ would have been, he would have been well within his, 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 it would have been, it would have been acceptable to me if he'd just said, Behold, I'm done with you. But he didn't. He said to each individual in this lukewarm church, he said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, I've already said at the beginning, these people were not spiritually dead, right? You can look in a lot of commentaries, a lot of the majority probably of Christianity, is, it will, will tell you that this is Jesus Uh You've heard that he could stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you'll open the door, he'll come in and save you. That's not what he's saying. He says, I'm standing at the door of this church, and I am knocking. And if any man of this church, any man or woman, and the child of God will hear me and will get up and open the door, I will come into him. And he says this. He says, I will sup with him. You know what that word means? To eat the evening meal. It means to fellowship. Don't y'all love eating? with? I, I just love eating with people. <laughs> uh, there's just something about it. It's it's just calming um you know you ever had people over for dinner and the food's not ready yet and it's just really awkward (laughs) some of y'all have and you're like when is that food going to be ready (laughs) but the food's ready and it's better it's like that it's like those few moments at the mexican restaurant before the chips and dips get there you're like what are we supposed to do (laughs) Jesus says, if you'll just open the door. Does that take much effort to open the door? It takes some effort, doesn't it? That's how we know he's not talking about going to heaven because you're not going to heaven based on any of your effort. You're going to heaven based on the effort of Jesus Christ. It takes a little effort. He says, but I knock at the door. I'll knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. There is nothing sweeter in this life than fellowship with your savior if you've never experienced it then i can't explain it to you but if you've experienced it then you know what i'm talking about maybe you're experiencing it today. maybe you haven't experienced it in weeks months years you know what the message of christ is behold i'm still right here at the door open the door come into me and i'll come into you I will sup with you, I will eat with you. I bet he brings the food. (laughs) The Gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is never going to leave you. Y'all remember the prodigal son that left? I love that picture because we're all prodigal children, aren't we? We all run from God. And that prodigal child, he, he, he decides, he says, I'm going back to my father's house. And the father he would have had all the rights in the world to say, Behold, son, I gave you your inheritance. You wasted it. You've embarrassed me. You've embarrassed the family. You're on your own. But it says he girded his loins and he ran to that son. And he killed the fatted calf. And they made merry because he'd repented of his sins. And they supped together. What a beautiful picture of what Christ does for his wayward children. He runs to you, he stands at the door. He says in verse 21, To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. There's a a lot of preaching in that verse, and there's a lot of things in that verse that I I won't even pretend to understand. (laughs) I heard Brother Charles Kitchens one time, he said, There's a lot in the Bible I understand. There's a lot in the Bible I don't understand. He said, I preach about the things I understand. (laughs) But I will say this, to anyone who overcomes their lukewarmness, to anyone who overcomes their, their, their self-sufficient attitude, when you overcome those things and you begin to see Christ for who he is, the one who overcame, the one who is seated at the right hand of God, the one who conquered sin, the one who destroyed Satan, the one who destroyed death, you can sit with him and fellowship with him and overcome with him and live a victory. Who wants to live a defeated life all the time? You can, watch, you, like you can watch television, you can watch the news, and, and it's just defeating, isn't it? You can, you, can, you can be on social media, and you can think, and this is true, this happens. People see other people's lives, and they think, they got it so much better than me. So much better than me. And you get defeated. I'm going to quote my third theologian. Nick Saban. (laughs) I thought this was great about social media. He said, the grass is always greener over the septic tank. (laughs) So, what may appear to be the coolest people in the world, you have no idea what they're going through. (laughs) But it can be defeating. But when you can block all that out and pursue Christ with with an ardent zeal, you will live a victorious life. You may not have money, you may not have fame, you may not have stuff, but you'll have something that money can't buy, that fame can't provide, and that you, you know, we try to, we try to self-medicate with more stuff and more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. How many of y'all bought a bunch of stuff on Amazon during the quarantine? <laughs> Some of y'all did, didn't you? Why is that, did you really need that? No. We, we just, we had to do something, right? <laughs> Well, if we run to, if we run, when I am satisfied with Christ, and I should always be satisfied, when I'm satisfied with Christ, I don't need that Amazon delivery. I don't, I don't need the approval of my coworkers or, my, or the people I'm around. When I'm satisfied with Christ, I don't need anything. That's why, that's why Paul could be content. That's why James could talk about contentment. And they could experience, because they were satisfied with Christ. When you're satisfied with Christ, and we talked about His church earlier, when you're satisfied with His church, and I'm not saying that we, that we sit down and do nothing to try to improve His church or be more zealous about His church or, try to, or, we're, or we're so satisfied with Christ that we don't tell anybody about Christ, but when we're just satisfied with Him, there's a sweet peace that comes to knowing that we're satisfied. And it's a victorious life. We can live victoriously. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And then listen to verse 22. He says, He that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I'm going to quote my fourth theologian, Brother Sam Bryant. Are you listening? (laughs) I used to think, why does he say that? I don't think that ever anymore. (laughs) Are you listening? Let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Christ said to this church at Laodicea, you've become apathetic, you're self-sufficient. But the message that he had to the church is, you don't have to stay in that position. I'm knocking on the door. I'll come in, and we can live victoriously in this life. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what he said to the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the, the many blessings of this life. We, we praise you and thank you, God, that you don't leave us, that although we, we often drift and we often uh, lose our zeal and we become lukewarm and, and we let your word uh, be neglected and we let your church be neglected we let prayer be neglected. Um, Lord, we know you pity us. You know that we're but dust. You understand that we have a nature about us that one day you'll deliver us from. But until that point, uh, we struggle with day in and day out. Uh, but we we praise you that you don't you don't leave us in that condition but th- that you stand ready willing and able to to fellowship with us and to and to share with us in the victory that you accomplished through the cross and through the resurrection of your body through the through the, through the victory that you won you stand uh ready to to share in that right here and right now that we could be blessed to know that we will be victorious through our savior that we can live victoriously over our apathy or over our sin here in this life with your help. God, I pray that we'll hear this message today. I pray that you'll open up doors of opportunity in in Birmingham, Alabama, that we could speak the truth of God's word to our friends and neighbors and coworkers and those people that we don't even know, your children uh, who are looking for truth, who are looking um, for the sweet relief that only the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring. We ask that you'd allow us uh, to, to speak those words to them. We pray for our nation, God. We thank you for our nation, and we pray that it will remain, uh, that we'll, we'll keep religious liberty to worship you. But let us not let the religious freedoms that we have uh, make us neglectful uh, to serve you, but maybe that would motivate us um, to be to be a blessing to others and to be more zealous than we've ever been it's in jesus christ's name we pray amen but joshua do you have a song that we want to sing